Good. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode, number one, of the Fitness Devil You Know podcast. Today's guest is Dean Somerset, and we're going to talk about improving quality of life through training. Shut up and sit down. Uh, hi everyone, uh, Andrew Coates here with uh, Dean Guido, and uh, today we actually have uh, one of the coolest guests we really could have probably summoned up, uh, our friend Dean Somerset. Welcome, Dean. Thank you. It's good to be local. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that was the first thing, is like, maybe you should just introduce him as a local badass. Yeah, the, the commute was a killer today. It was all of 11 minutes on a Sunday. <laughs> it was that long? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was so, like two stoplights. For anyone listening from, uh, you know, who's not a local listener, they're going to be like, oh, wow, like these guys actually all know each other and live close by. Yeah. So that's actually pretty cool. So uh, for anyone who doesn't really know much about Dean, uh, shame on you. That's embarrassing. But <laughs> he has written for... Uh, Men's Health, Teen Nation, Bodybuilder.com, and a host of other things. You can elaborate if you choose. And I'll get let Dean talk about his history and a long list of accomplishments. But a few other cool things is he travels the world to public speak and present. And he has trained Olympic medalists. I believe gold medalists. Is that correct? Um, I had an, a consult with an Olympic gold medalist, okay. but I've also worked with some Paralympic medalists as well. Right. So those guys were uh, the one that I've worked with almost long term. He just went to Rio, got two silver medals this last year. So we're looking forward to the next Olympics. So hopefully hitting gold. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? I'm a personal trainer in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and I've uh, got a couple of certifications as far as a certified exercise physiologist, uh, strength and conditioning specialist. So a lot of my clientele are medical referral based. They all come to me either from doctors, physical therapists, chiropractors. Um, they've usually got some sort of messed up something, whether it's a knee, back, shoulder, hip, whatever. Uh, if they're not referred from a medical professional, they're either somebody who's an athlete or just an interesting case. So I like to take stuff on now where it's not just like a paycheck. It's more like, hmm, this should be fun to work with. You're kind of like the house of the personal training realm, I suppose. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm probably not as much of a dick. <laughs> Man, you're the biggest dick I know. Pretty much. <laughs> and that's a compliment. Uh, so I want to have a little fun with this stuff. Yeah. So uh, I said, uh, any proper superhero, they must have an or origin story. So uh, <laughs> we're assuming your... he's a superhero. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Who is your Alfred the Butler, your mentor figure? Uh, who's your Mary Jane Watson? And uh, who's your Joker? Who's your arch nemesis? Man, these are tough questions I to get the day started. When I, man, you didn't even theme that. That's Batman and Spider-Man. Okay. I, oh, I, I, I've got the comic book like super fan over here, whereas I'm more of a casual fan, and he's almost offended by the fact that I mixed up DC and Marvel. Yeah, I know. Um. And, and the fact that it's like Batman versus Spider-Man. Like, that hasn't been done yet, so... Man. If it was going to be Batman versus Superman, that might be something different. He might be all over it. I have that comic, by the way. <laughs> but anyways, Kate, continue. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Butler, I don't know. As far as like mentor stuff, I, I would probably say like my older brothers. They were older than me by enough years to almost be father figures. Uh, my dad obviously is a father figure too, but uh, he was one of those kind of guys who was busting his butt, working hard to give us the kind of lifestyle that we could enjoy. So it wasn't necessarily that he wasn't around. It's just that I didn't have as much time to make a connection with him. Um, he was also in the garage a lot more, and my two older brothers are both auto mechanics. I wasn't really into that, so I didn't get as much of a chance to get that kind of exposure. I did work on a couple of cars, like the ones that I started off with. I had an 81 Ford Escort hot pile of garbage that one was <laughs> so i had to take it from being almost in the wrecker yard to being functional to drive me around for a couple of years while i was back home in bc so my dad taught me how to do a lot of that kind of stuff but uh yeah dad and brothers would probably be the alfreds of my world well that's kind of what you ended up doing with people instead of cars i, I was gonna say end. like <laughs> well like if we're gonna go functional here well that's how you learn a lot about how stuff works right is that's how i learned everything that i think of when it comes to breaking things down and putting it back together was time in the garage so something doesn't work, you have to figure out what it is. If you can't figure it out, send it off to somebody who can. Just due to the fact that, you know, if my car doesn't work, I don't drive. So at the end of the day, I don't go to school, I don't go to work, I don't do any of that kind of stuff. It's the necessity of how do I actually get this to work well. You learn things as you go through. So if it's not turning over, then it's either like an ignition thing, it's a starter thing, it's an alternator thing, battery thing. You just go down the list of what it could be until you find out what's actually causing the problem. 
I suppose that we could go a little further this and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but you think about how many people who have these major components of their functioning that aren't functioning and yet they're still walking around in society. Yeah. Uh, one of your main things is to actually help people with fix those problems. Yeah. And I mean, we would be terribly, terribly poor adapters to our environment if all it took was one thing to go wrong for us to stop working. So we're great at adapting to our environment, whether that's we got a sore shoulder, a sore back, sore knee, whatever it is, we're great at being able to find a way to get the job done. If somebody doesn't have the range of motion from their hip to bend down and pick something up off the ground, they'll use their spine. Does that mean it's bad? No, it just means that they're finding a different way to do it. And that over time, those changes in how you approach things do increase the amount of risk of something going wrong, which means that you just have to figure it out and put it back together again afterwards. So it's not something where you know, you have one problem and you have to fix that one thing. It's sometimes just a cascade effect. So if something hurts in your neck or your back, well, it might have been related to how you stand, might have been related to your shoes, might have been related to how you play golf and you pick up the ball out of the hole every time. So then you just have to figure out what the actual differential dysfunction is. Cool. So what about Mary Jane? That'd be my wife, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. She keeps me sane most of the time and pushes me, but uh, even then she kind of brings me back down to reality on a regular basis. She's like, hey, you didn't take out the garbage yet. She's a, she's a bit of a part of your team now, more or less, in terms of... Well, she always has been. She's been uh, a support and also just like person who I can bounce ideas back and forth off of. She's not in the fitness industry, but she used to be. So she can tell what is a decent idea and what's not a good idea. And if she gives the sniff test and she's like, no, that's not quite right. It doesn't sound like it would resonate. That's the best advice I could possibly get because she's not living in it and she's not getting that you know, third-party view of the world. She's actually seeing it through the eyes of a consumer or as a female interested in fitness where she can say, you know, I appreciate that, I don't appreciate that, and then roll with it as she goes that way. Well, and that's one of the, well, I was going to mention, she's not not in the fitness industry. She's a pretty good athlete. Yeah, I mean, she's not working in the fitness industry, but she's a track cyclist. We're looking at, she's going to national championships here in a couple of weeks, <laughs> so she's getting ready to potentially medal at that for her age group. She's a road cyclist. She's done triathlon. She's pretty accomplished in a lot of the endurance activities. So she's uh, got a very expensive collection of bikes, yeah, I which uh, Somerset Fitness LTD is a proud sponsor of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whether I want to be or not. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, that was one of those main things when I, like, as a consumer of fitness herself, she can pretty much give you some good feedback just because she's not a low-level athlete. Like, if you've seen this lady and her bikes, she's doing, well... She's going to nationals. She'd probably actually make a great guest for the future if that would be the sort of thing she'd be interested in, simply because you know, men seem to be overrepresented in our industry. And one of the things that we hope to do in the future is to make sure that we, you know, I don't believe in quotas, but we want to make sure that people are represented and we want to have some really great female guests without yeah. uh, watering it down and, and finding anyone who doesn't fit our you know, idea of what this podcast should be. So. True. And I mean, there's a big discussion going on about females in the strength and conditioning world being presenters at different conferences or yeah. workshops or organization because they are very underrepresented. But we have to also remember that consumer-wise, females make up about 60 to 70% of the spending in the fitness industry. So we have to kind of approach things with their thought process in mind and what their interests are and where they're coming from. What are their goals? What are their reasoning? If we're men who aren't thinking about that, we're underserving that entire market. Without a doubt. You're probably referring to Kevin Larrabee's thread that I just saw. He posted and he's talking about uh, conferences that basically don't have any women at the middle. Partially, but uh, there was a couple of years ago at the Fitness Summit in Kansas City where the Women's Fitness Summit was actually begun. So Molly Galbraith, uh, Cassandra Forsyth, I think Cassandra York now, um, they came up with the concept that, you know, there's not many women who are involved in the seminars, so let's put our own on. So they started creating the Women's Fitness Summit and it's become kind of a snowball effect from there. There's a great group of people there. Yeah. Girls gone strong. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the well, first. Yeah. Joker. Who's yeah. <laughs> and not Tony Gentlecore. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tony I think Gentlecore's your, your Robin. He's, he's, yeah. well, he, likes, he likes cats and you like dogs. So I guess. Uh, no, he's not the Joker. No, no. I don't think I really have a, a nemesis. I mean, everyone's got their pros. Everyone's got their cons. I might not agree with everyone, but everyone adds value in one way or another. We could always argue the semantics of this person said this, I don't agree with it, they're a terrible person, or that person said that, but does that actually get us anywhere? Probably not. Well, and even even having those discussions is what leads to breakthroughs a lot of the times, because if someone's challenging you, then you can kind of challenge back and push, and then something new yeah. is created. Yeah, I mean, I'll challenge somebody's ideas 
any day of the week. And if it's something that doesn't line up with what I know is from physiology or anatomy or biomechanics or whatever, I'll challenge them on it. And maybe I'm wrong. At that point, I can learn something. But no, it does happen. Like I'm not saying in here saying like Do I'm you, you don't you don't know it all. No, 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 no. I'm very far from that. My wife will tell you exactly that I don't know everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Jon Snow up in here. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it! I was gonna do the Game of Thrones thing because we're in the north, so. Yeah, we are north of the yeah, wall. I mean, right. I do make that joke anytime I but go. But then, to but the my joke was going to be you're downtown working, so you're kind of at King's Landing, and I'm the king of the north. Yeah, but we'll, but you're in the west. Well, it's still north on it. Fuck, what's west? What's west on Game of Thrones? Is I think the, the ocean is this Casterly Rock. Yeah. No, I think it's the um the no? Frey. Oh. It was oh, no the, the Iron Islands. The Iron Islands, uh, yeah. the Greyjoys. Yeah. yeah, they're further west again. But Damn, the I don't want to be the, the wardens of the west. <laughs> you're, you're Theon. I don't want to be Theon, <laughs> man. If we're talking about south, Andrew's further south than I am. So, he is so. making a comeback. Though, I, I so think I'll he's in it. the land of the Dothraki. Oh, fuck, I have no balls now. <laughs> he's basically saying I have no balls. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't follow Game of Thrones, just forget that we even had this conversation. Yeah. Sorry. We got to go hashtag nerd alert. On yeah. that one. Uh, and of course, above all else, you know, what's your fitness superpower? What are you truly great at? Seeing people move and then saying you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I was going to say that ex that exact thing. We were even you were at L2 Fitness and Anthony and I were going through some hip stuff because I'm just horrible at moving on my surgery hip and we could just see you looking. And yeah. Like just tell us, just tell us, and then eventually you're just like just do this, and it's yeah. just like damn it, you could see that ten minutes ago. Could have saved me 10 minutes. Could have, but there's that process of discovery that I don't want to impede on. Well, and when you get to a point where you start struggling with it, then I'll step in and be like, all right, try doing this instead. But if you find it on your own, that's going to be more valuable than me showing you how to do but it. But it was almost a perfect example of that pro like process of discovery because we're like, this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work. And you're like, do this. And then it made me realize why those other things didn't work and it made that it that much better. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We knew you knew what you were doing. What? <laughs> Um, okay, let's just jump right into this. So sure. we have this. Andrew makes these really long questions for me to um, ask. So I've kind of I've kind of put them down a little bit. But essentially, you do tons of things. So you create training products. You travel the world. You do all these seminars. You were just in Norway. What made you take a career path direction that's separate from your personal training side? So how did that evolve? I guess from Dean Somerset version one to where you are right now. Well, part of it was uh, when I started training, I had an idea of teaching some of the continuing education courses in World Health just because I thought, well, I, I've gone through a degree. I have a couple of things I know about. I might be able to help some of the trainers. So yeah. I started teaching a couple of continuing ed courses within World Health and expanded my ability to present and speak. And based on feedback I was getting, I was able to get better at what I was doing. Yeah. It wasn't like I was crushing bank or doing crazy stuff like that. But <laughs> at the same time, it was building experience. I mean, the only way that you get better at speaking in front of a room is by speaking in front of a room absolutely so because of that that gave me a lot of experience that I wouldn't be able to find elsewhere and before I started charging people to come hear me speak that's invaluable you have to become pretty decent at stuff like that otherwise you're just PowerPoint slides with a thousand words on them in 12 point type uh, or you're doing something like putting up a word document and reading off oh, the word man. document on a presentation did you do board. that in college I did it. No, but I do oh. know a couple of people now who that's what they did when oh. they started off it's like put up a Word doc, not even on the presentation view, but just a Word doc where your screen is editing and all that kind of stuff. But And everyone's just reading it. They're like, just tell us something new. Yeah, exactly. But that person's just standing there reading because that's what they did for yeah. their presentation. That's all they knew. So nothing against that, but that's how you learn and evolve Absolutely. and get better. So from there, I, I got uh, one of my clients was starting up a blog all about his life and his dog and stuff like that. And he's like, you should write a blog. Make it on fitness. And I was like, okay, maybe I should. So I started looking into what a blog would actually be, how I would write that. Started a free blog where I was thinking, well, maybe my mom will read this if it's not too terrible. And surprisingly enough, she didn't because she wasn't into <laughs> fitness or anything like that. Or but, the internet? No, she's got Facebook. And now that she's updated her phone and actually turned her data on, she can actually use Facebook on her phone. <laughs> um, but beyond that, it was just more of a creative outlet. Yep. And down the line, it just turned into something where I developed a little bit of a following where I was able to finagle my way into something like writing for Teen Nation, which expanded my network a little bit further and provided me a, an income generation. And then from there, I thought, well, why don't I film one of the workshops I teach with World Health, Post Rehab Essentials, and that created my first video product. So I had no idea how to do any of that stuff when I started off, but I thought, well, let's try this and see what happens. And then from there, it's just been an evolutionary process. 
people eventually started asking me, you know, we want you to come and speak to us and our trainers or hold a workshop here and talk about these kind of topics. So that having the network availability of a blog helped me to get those different speaking gigs. Having videotaped the presentation where people could see that I actually knew what I was talking about helped me get other presentation gigs as far as like speaking at conferences or having people ask me to go to Norway or to London or wherever to teach workshops. But a lot of that started off from just deciding to do continuing education for world health and being able to say, you know, I want to get some experience and get better at this. I've done God, maybe 10 plus of your presentations, your courses and seminars uh, mm -hmm. as much as, because as a former world health employee for six years, up until about just not quite a year ago, uh, yeah, I did pretty much everything that you did and they're fantastic. Uh, yeah. Then I know I went to your hip conditioning seminar at SVBT one year outside of World Health, yeah. and then I was in Kansas City at the Fitness Summit, uh, and you spoke there. So, mm -hmm. so I've seen it firsthand. It's growing, it's amazing stuff. There we go. Well, it's, it's just it would be interesting to see your old videos. Do you ever do you ever look back? Because I, <laughs> I can just even I can even think back to when we went through teacher college. Was that you had to film yourself and <clears throat> and assess yourself and write a paper on all the things you suck at, and then if I, I don't even want to look at that, it yeah. would be horrible. I, I try not to just because like I know it's going to be bad and I know it's going to be stuff where I could say, oh, I should do 50,000 different things differently. Yeah. But five years from now, anything I'm doing now, I could look back and say the same thing. Yeah. So if I'm not growing and improving, what's the point of it? And looking back, I should be able to see everything I do wrong. But it's not an exercise that would be like, oh, this is good for me because it builds character. No, it's just, okay, I see all the different things that I did that I don't do anymore and ways that I've changed and improved. Cool. Did you always have memes in your presentations? Mm, yeah, actually. Oh, nice. Because I know that people learn by three different ways. They're auditory, visual, and tactile. Yeah. So if I put up a meme that talks about something and is a very visual format, people are going to learn by that really quickly. If I get them to go through an exercise and I position them in a certain way and say, okay, do this, this, and this, they're going to feel the exercise that I want them to feel and see what it's actually supposed to do. So the tactile feedback plays a huge role in it. The uh, audio me just talking about stuff that plays a role and the visual obviously has a role too have you ever read textbooks that don't have pictures it's painful uh, they suck yeah that's why pictures are awesome if i had textbooks that were just pictures with like little captions underneath that would be fantastic and that, that should be the next instagram account is like a textbook if a textbook just came up with all of their pictures with little captions beneath it you could create such a great following on something like that they need to be awesome pictures though well, Obviously. some good anatomy and physiology That's textbooks true. have really good computer-generated images. But they even have, like, the outreach points now where it's like, oh, log on to this CD-ROM. I mean, who has CD-ROMs anymore? Or <laughs> go onto a website and click this or do that, and it's got these. You can just have that all on an Instagram account or a YouTube account or something like that. Man, you heard it here. There you go. Here's <laughs> the future. Yeah, except you can't charge 150 bucks every year for a new edition that has like a changed picture or <laughs> paragraph or something like that. So Instagram wouldn't like it either. No, well, there was also a time when people said that you couldn't download all your music for free on the internet too. So yeah, who knows if things will change that? Right. Napster happened. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So about all, all this stuff you just talked about, all these things that you do. Uh, how do you budget time? <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, make an impact on all these fronts? Honestly, I don't. I don't really budget time. It's just a matter of finding time. So when I was going through high school, I played on a couple of different sports teams. I worked part-time and I had a full course load. When I was in university, I worked part-time to be able to afford like my bus pass and rent and food. And I had a full course load. And I was also working out on my own, trying to just stay in shape. And then when I got into an actual career, I had none of the other stuff that I had to worry about. So it was just work full-time. So I used to work 70 to 90 hours a week as a trainer, but that's just what my life had always been up to that point. I was either school, sports, work, any of that kind of stuff, and it's always just you budget your time accordingly and you find the time to fit it in. I mean, if I've got 60 clients in a week or something like that, you still have to find time to work out. And then on top of that, if you have a couple hours where you can do programs, you can do phone calls, emails, all that kind of stuff, you still have to find time to get that done. So it's not a matter of, well, every Wednesday at 8 a.m. until 9 a.m. I budget time to blog. No, it's just a matter of, well, I've got time now, I'm going to do it. It's one of those things where procrastination is the, the worst thing you could have when it comes to trying to do anything. So the longer you wait for something to be perfect condition or ideal or whatever, it just never happens. Sometimes you only get 20 minutes to do something. You sit down for 20 minutes and you do something. It's like um, when you do these Q&As impromptu, hey, I've got 30 minutes at the airport, here's a Q&A. Yeah. Right? And part of that's also like when I look on Facebook, you can see how many people are online at a certain point in time. 
based on the, the um, if I'm on my desktop, I can look and there's a little chat icon. So if it shows that there's 100 people online right now, it's probably not the best time to do a Q&A, but if there's like five or 600 people online, okay, cool. Do that now because people can actually see it. And if I'm at the airport and I've got nothing better to do, all right, well, Q&A time, boys and girls. Let it up. All right, so another one of my big long questions. Uh, and we sort of hinted at this earlier. Uh, <laughs> we can think of most people as almost walking wounded. Yep. Uh, people exist with an array of common issues and injuries. Could you identify some common problems and then provide some insight into, and this is where I really want to go with this podcast, stuff that people listening can actually take today and use? Mm-hmm. The biggest thing is I think people think they're more fragile than they are. And a lot of that might come down to where they say, oh, I think my alignment's off or I have a leg length discrepancy or this doesn't move well or my posture, ABC or anything like that. You can still get out and train. You can still do stuff. I mean, the best medicine that you could possibly have is changing your mindset to say, what can I do versus how am I hindered? So whenever I have a client come in who says, you know, I have a weak glute meat, I have this problem, I have that dysfunction, I have this going on, <laughs> which is, yeah, it, it's fan- funny, but I've had clients where they come in and they'll say, I have a weak glute meat and I test their glute meat manually and I'm leaning on that thing, it's not going anywhere. But they hang on that idea that that's almost like their identity. And I say, didn't you see when I was like literally doing a handstand on your leg while your glute meat was firing, pushing a finger into it and it was fi- firing right back? You don't have a weak glute meat. We got to kill that noise. But even then, it's like, what can you do? What can you do around it? If you have an actual acute injury, like you tore your ACL, okay, there's actual protocol to go through to get that back in action. But if you say that, you know, you have, um, your humors are out of balance because you didn't detox with your diet tea last month or something like that, it's like, all right, cool. So what can you do today? Let's figure out the stuff that you can do that you're willing to do and that will work really hard. Any of that kind of stuff, that's going to help people to get in that mindset of being anti-fragile, which means that they're actually going to want to train and get more out of their life than what they were doing before. There's so many times that people can just put up obstacles to get in the way without realizing that those obstacles are kind of man-made and in their head more than in their actual physical body. Plus, how many of those problems go away when you have a really good workout? A good portion of them. Well, and that's, it'll go to the next question, but there's so much information, it's so easy to access, access that... Again, you get almost that um, hypochondriac effect because you can you yeah. can literally figure out my glute meat does this. Oh, it must be my glute meat, and they're like, oh, then it's my glute max, and then it's you know what? It's my leg, and oh, my leg's too short. Yeah, and then you kind of go down that line, and then you just end up like think you're broken. Yeah, I mean, okay, your leg's too short. Are you dead? What is that going to do? Like, can you fix that? Can you change that? How is that going to affect you? Maybe instead of doing bilateral stuff, you do single leg stuff. Or maybe you do some rotational stuff. Or maybe you do other stuff. I mean, if you've got one leg that's a half inch shorter than the other one, you'll live. But it just means that that's your structure. If that can't be changed, well, then figure out something else to do. Cut your losses and move on. Yeah, and it goes down to one of those things of accepting your your body for what it is. And I think that a lot of people get stuck in certain programs or sports or I have to do it this way because I heard this guy say this. Yeah. When really it's not... You're not confined to that box. No, I mean, a lot of people will say that I think the worst thing you can tell people is that they can do anything just due to the fact that it's wrong. I mean, I'm not going to be a gymnast. I'm 6'2", 240 pounds, and I'm 36 years old. I'm not going to be a gymnast. I'm not going to be in Cirque du Soleil for the same reasons. I'm also not going to be a center in the NBA because I'm only 6'2". And I suck at basketball. I played it for 15 years, but I still suck at it. So based on that, for me to say, well, I can do anything, well, guess what? Genetics are against me in every situation I just laid out. It's not possible for me to do that. So for me to keep banging my head against the wall to say, well, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, I can do anything, it's wrong. So I got to change up my thought process and go after other stuff. And you can do the splits. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, thank God he's smart. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly you can't do anything now. And incredibly good looking. (laughs) Uh, King of the North. My wife says I'm cool. Um, okay, so that kind of goes into the next question in terms of there's so much information and I want to say it's mixed with misinformation, but it's mixed with a lot of misinformation. What do you think the best way for our listeners is to kind of push themselves to the good quality sources of information that in the world of information, which there's a million kajillion informations. Yeah. See, the funny thing is I think that there's not 
more misinformation than good information. I think that we just tend to see it more. Yeah. So most of the stuff that people talk about is the exact same. 90% of which will be the same kind of stuff. You know, eat good food, exercise regularly, uh, control yourself when you're doing things like squats or deadlifts, do whatever you want to do in that way. Don't beat yourself up. That, that's 90% of the message that most people are going to put out there. The 10% that we see that's the misinformation gets sensationalized because it's misinformation. So I don't think it's necessarily the case that most of it is misinformation. Yeah. For the average consumer, I think they have to find the commonalities. The stuff that seems to be working for a lot of people or that a lot of very successful and smart people seem to talk about that seems to agree with itself. So what do you need to do if you want to lose weight? Diet, exercise. And diet can come down to a whole bunch of different things, but it usually comes down to caloric restriction. One way or another, you have to eat fewer calories than you burn. Whether that means you go keto, paleo, um, diet tea, whatever works for you, if that's something that you can sustain, I'm not going to argue with it too much. If I have a client who comes in who says I'm doing a Bernstein diet, I'll disagree with it because I don't think it's healthy. But if they're saying I love it, it's successful, I'm not going to burst that bubble. Because if they're successful, then it's like, okay, well, what do we do after that? How do we get them into a good habit so that we can actually sustain the change that they made rather than going right back up to what they were doing before? Not to mention if you take someone who's coming into you and you shame them and make them feel bad or stupid yeah. because they're doing something wrong, <clears throat> excuse me, then you're immediately breaking a bond of trust. Instead, you actually work to create a bond of support with them and say, okay, you know what? We're going to monitor this closely mm -hmm. and... Uh, while I have this concern, I'm glad that you're going out and looking for useful information. That is, you're doing research on becoming healthier. So we're going to see this, run it through, and then when it's done, we're going to then probably take this approach just to make sure that we manage the potential problem at the end. Yeah. And I mean, even before we start talking about problems at the end or anything like that, I'll just ask, you know, what's successful about it? What do you not like about it? What do you want to change? Any of that kind of stuff. And if it's working, it's working. I'm not going to change it. I mean, you, there could be people out there who do follow a Bernstein diet for years and are successful. But then it's that, like you said, monitoring. If you monitor and stuff starts going wrong, okay, well, let's try to figure out a way to mitigate that when it happens. I'm not going to tell people when the wheels fall off the cart, then we got to figure out how to put things back in order. It's more like, okay, well, let's see how far you can sustain this for. And if you start running into problems, I'll be here to help you out. Well, and for, for our listeners, what's, what's the Bernstein diet? Just for people who don't know. Uh, it's a medically, and I use air quotes on that, supervised <laughs> diet where they put you on very, very low calorie intake and regular injections of, I think, B12 or B-complex vitamins um, and a couple other things to help with like energy, satiety, to make sure you're not going like completely septic because your body's breaking down a lot of the fat where heavy metals can be stored and all the other fun stuff can just get entered into your bloodstream. You're making it sound really, really awesome. It's an extreme diet. And there's no doubt about that. But even then, like lap band surgery or bariatric or gastro surgery is still a very extreme dietary plan yeah. where they just literally cut you open and limit the size of your stomach to make it so you eat less. So it's a matter of do you eat less because you're on a diet where you don't have as much food volume or do you eat less because you had a surgical procedure to shrink the size of your stomach? Either way, it's an extreme diet. But some people do need extreme. If you have somebody who's four or 500 pounds saying, well, we're just going to create a one or 200 calorie a day deficit, that's not going to take them very far. You know, you got to get them to a point where it's like, okay, this isn't actually in a state of medical emergency. We got to do something relatively extreme under medical monitoring with blood testing to make sure you actually get the results that are safe, but will help to prevent you from having any kind of catastrophic issue ahead of it. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to take the next one because sure. I'm going to I'm going to flip the switch a little here. Oh, sure. Oh, hopefully you prepared for it. So Andrew wants to know. Have you read the Kardashians fitness book? More or less. I'm just going to go with no. no. I'm crossing my fingers. Um, so this one's going to change it up. They have not, like, I think each of the Kardashians have like a 90 million following. I was looking at their Instagrams because of your, because of your little question here. They have like 100 million followers each. Yeah. What can we learn from the Kardashians? They're obviously doing something right when it comes to marketing, social Absolutely. media, brand development, all that kind of stuff. So the best thing that you can learn isn't looking at the specific information that they put out, but how are they doing it? Why are they doing it? I mean, obviously, if you've got butt implants and you're really good at ankles and you want to take 100 million selfies, then yeah, you're going to have great Instagram following, but that might not translate as well over to something like Twitter. Also, three jacked up meatheads that might not do that well if we don't have the butt selfies going on. So might have to be time to start doing some butt selfies. 
They do a lot of that. <laughs> I'll even go to another story about my wife last time we talked, which is a future podcast, but I watched Teen Mom. I think I've watched all the Teen Moms. Oh, yeah. My wife likes the de-stress to Teen Mom. She also likes the de-stress to their Kardashians. Yeah. I've seen every episode. Next week and going forward, uh, Dean will be peering alone on the podcast. Yeah. As I'm <laughs> handing in my And I really... I, they, man, they're famous. Yeah. Like, if you could figure out a way to make yourself that famous... Like, I'm not saying you're not that famous. Well, you're not that famous. Not, but not if you could famous. take that celebrity status, how they got there, and just apply that to fitness, man, you could change the world. I, I think it all starts off by having a sex tape. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's where Kim got her start, with, right? With, with Mary Jane. We, we got to find Ray J, right? Ray yeah. J in the house. And so that's where... That's I think that's the point where she actually got a bit of name recognition. I mean, her yeah. dad was an attorney for OJ, so the name Kardashian got a little bit of exposure with that. And then when everyone's like, oh, his daughter is now making a sex tape. Okay, cool, there's something. And then she had a TV show come out. I think that the TV show was what propelled everything. That's why they still have it. So we got to get a TV show, we got to get a sex tape, and we got to start doing butt selfies. We got to be beautiful. Like she's pretty good looking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, then you go down the butt implant thing and then the butt selfies. Yeah. So the lesson here is had OJ Simpson not killed anyone, Correct. we would have never heard of the Kardashians. This is like a butterfly in Central Park flapping its wings and causing hurricane. And he Irma. just he just went back to jail. No, he just got out of jail. Just got, just got out. out. Jesus. Yeah. For, for like an unrelated crime. Still a horrible person. <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, this kind of reminds me of a conversation you and I had when we were speaking on a platform to the audience at World Health a while back. And uh, I tend to be fairly critical traditionally of people I feel like are charlatans or people who don't necessarily have a good message in the fitness industry. But it sort of shaped my thinking a little differently in our interaction. We, I think we were talking about C.T. Fletcher. Mm -hmm. And you're quick to point out that you know C.T. has an audience and there are things that this guy does that draws people in and if we as fitness professionals fail to understand going to your question about yep. why the Kardashians are, are so successful if we just reject that outright we're missing the opportunity to actually reach more people in the end of the day if we reach more people with good information we're doing something good yeah so it's broken me out of my tendency to stick my uh, dig my heels in hard and say no I'm gonna only do this with the absolute utmost integrity and, I, and I'm not willing to compromise integrity. No, no reason think, you should be. Yeah. But at the same time, you can learn lessons from people who are successful. I mean, look at someone like Jordan Syatt, what he's been doing on Instagram. He's developed a massive following by using infographics to present complex information in very simplified ways that can resonate with the average person who has zero knowledge in fitness. So he's talking to an audience that the smartest guy in the room will never touch just due to the fact that he speaks a different language. And he speaks a language that people can understand and can pick up. So because of that, he's having massive success right now doing something that a lot of people trivialize. Oh, infographics, whatever. Well, guess what? People are paying attention to that. So it doesn't matter whether you like it or whether you don't like it. The person that he's targeting is the one who likes it. And that's the end user of fitness services. Well, and now he has them as an audience. And I yeah, think yeah. that, again... It goes back to that box structure, being stuck inside this box. When you see someone else doing something, people are the first to naysay that. Yeah. But it's successful. Why, why can't we take at least a little piece of that and apply it to our own approach? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what is an infographic but just a meme with information on it, really? It, it's a micro memes. blog. It's a micro blog in a visual manner. That's it. And it's easy. Like you can you can see it in two seconds. You flip by it. And, oh, I'll, I'll go look at that. And then now he can kind of hit you with his other stuff. Yeah. But and he can build trust and build confidence absolutely. and get exposure to other media outlets and do a lot of stuff that he wouldn't have the opportunity to all off of infographics, memes. I mean, it sounds silly and sounds trivial until you realize that it works. I mean, what did traditional advertising look at 10, 20, 30 years ago? Well, you had to pay TV, you had to pay radio, you had to pay magazines and newspapers, you had to create some weird, funky thing. Like, look at car sales. They always have, like, a dancing dinosaur and some weird noise or something like that. It's all about getting attention. But at the end of the day, if they sell cars, they sell cars. Mm -hmm. So in fitness, we have to get people's attention with good information, but a medium that they're willing to absorb in a way that speaks their language. If we can do that, we win. When we joked around um, before we released this podcast, um, Andrew posted a, fa a Facebook post of the dude doing the squat with the two BOSU balls that I said I would do, but I don't have two BOSU balls. So we're not doing it. But that <laughs> alone, one, right? like Andrew's like, man, I can't believe how many people commented and posted on that. And that's one of those things where something so out there 
got all this attention and then you can transfer that into hey and andrew let's look at his other posts he's mm-hmm. kind of a smart guy wow he's redheaded and huge man he must know things mm-hmm. and then but it brought them in and i mean not i'm not going to go squat on two bosu balls but i mean some people take that approach to get people in yeah and it uh, goes to something else that i feel very strongly about too is i will post occasionally a viral video of people doing really dumb shit but i i'm firmly against the idea of people just filming others randomly in gyms. It's the sort of thing that can make people feel really uncomfortable stepping into a gym environment. So I'm very clear that if you're going to share something like that, or if anyone shares something like that, find the stuff that is just so over the top and outrageous and ridiculous. (laughs) And a lot of it's probably staged anyway. Yeah. But, you know, never ever think that you stepping in a gym and you don't really know what you're doing, that first of all, people care enough to worry that your dumbbell rows aren't very good or your squat isn't deep. They're not there to make fun of you. They're more worried about what they're doing themselves. They're they're insecure. They're they're just in their own minds. No one is worried about you as a beginner, and whether you're doing something wrong. And no one is going to film you doing something that's a little less than perfect. If you find some truly creative way to do something, it's probably going to send you to the hospital. Well, then maybe you'll end you, up on the you internet. Might get but, filmed. but you guys aren't going to do stuff like that. So no. I want to really break down this fear and intimidation that people have about stepping into a gym uh, to even get started. It's yeah. the best thing you could possibly do for yourself. I'll have a lot of clients come into the gym and they, the first thing they say is, I don't want to look silly or have people look at me when I work out. So I'll, we'll be in the middle of a busy gym and I'll say, just take a quick look around right now and look at everyone in the gym. How many of them are looking at you? None. They're all focused on what they're doing. Do the if, you do, if you do something that's completely outlandish, make a lot of noise or draw a lot of attention to yourself, people will look, but they'll go back to what they're doing on their own. Unless it's something that's very dangerous or breaking a rule or something like that. But if that's the case, if you're coming in with me as a client of mine, if I'm having you do that, I'm the one who's at fault on that, not you. If I'm making you do something stupid, then I'm the one who should be paying the price on that one. Well, and thank God that guy fell on that video. Because it deterred people from doing it. And I think it even goes back to why functional strength got such a bad rap or there was people doing stuff like that and not falling. And then it kind of, people are like, wow, that looks pretty cool. I should do that. And then monkey see, monkey do. And now 100 people are doing that. Now 1,000 people are doing that. And I think that it's up to us as trainers not to kind of put that shit out there. Or at least if we're going to do it. CrossFit got started? <laughs> and I don't know if they have BOSUs in CrossFit. No, I'm I don't shocked. think they do. Yeah, I, I'm if, but if that was an event, like that'd be pretty impressive. Like, if, like so, I don't know. It, someone should call Greg Glassman and be like, "Hey, listen, like you know." That's the secret event at the games this year. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it goes back to even what you were saying with that. It's up to you not to kind of put them in those types of situations. And I guess we have kind of a duty of care as trainers to kind of put out the right information and have our clients do the right safe stuff or at least the stuff that works without hurting them i guess to say or if you want to do something funky just be like don't try this please don't try this for love of god don't try this this is just me being a jackass but don't try it yeah but don't try it unless you really want to try it and then film it and make sure you fail because then i want to laugh at you yeah and like text it to me don't put it on facebook yet (laughs) and if you're going to put it on facebook don't tag me as your trainer who told me you to do this Yeah, yeah yeah all right uh, what do you feel is going to happen with technology and innovation going forward with the fitness industry? And what's, what's basic and what will never change? Well, the biggest thing is that people are going to have access to more than they ever had before. Yep. I mean, when I was in high school, the only information I had on quality strength training was like Flex Magazine and Muscle Mag, just due to the fact that's all that existed. Unless I wanted to spend huge amounts of money for a mail-away course mm-hmm. that I got out of that one of those magazines. The internet was still fairly infantile at that phase, and there weren't many websites devoted to quality information. If they were, it was like forums, which nothing wrong with forums. You can learn a lot because people will go on there, but you still have to vet your information really well. Now there's a, a point where you can train with anyone in the world if you're willing to have an internet connection and pay a monthly fee with it. So I've got distance coaching clients in Australia, Philippines, uh, one in Japan, a bunch in Europe, a bunch in North America, South America, all over the world. And they all get the quality that I'm able to give to them. Is it the best? Is it the worst? I don't know. But at the same time, they can access me, whereas geographically, they couldn't previously. So people will have access to more information, more high-quality coaching than ever before. There's going to be more apps, more group training programs where people can get into a scalable venture rather than being like a one-on-one situation. But what's not going to change is that one-on-one is still going to be more important. 
You'll never be able to replicate the relationship that you get with somebody. And if somebody has a question, they need to ask that in a one-on-one manner. So it's not going to be something where people just go through uh, frequently asked questions and say, well, that solved all my problems. Because, I mean, how many times have you gone onto Google and typed in a symptom that you've had and then wound up realizing that you're dead and you have cancer? <laughs> you have them all. Right? So you still have to have that one-on-one with a doctor to be able to say, I have this symptom, what do I do? Well, here's what it could be. Here's the test we'll run. Here's what we'll do. If you're in the gym and you're saying, I've been trying these workouts and it's just not working, what do I need to do? You need to have somebody who can break it down for you in person rather than just do FAQs because everyone's going to go to Dr. Google and realize that they have weightlifting cancer or something like that. It's just not going to work for them. So you're going to have people that have more access to broader range of very good experts at what they do but there's also going to be that need for one-on-one, but it's going to be scalable and not geographically limited. When, Eric, uh, Eric Helms and eating beets in your yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was even going to say, do you do you have a system? So you have online clients in these yeah. other countries, and we kind of talked about networking in your KC seminar and just having um, connections all around the world. Do you do you refer out one-on-one things to people you trust to your clients that are distance? Because yeah. again, that one-on-one coaching. Even if we go back to you and I, I could watch your videos all day and then I went and saw you. I'm like, well, I was doing them wrong. But the video was good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of people that have uh, extensive networks of professionals all over the world. And if I don't have somebody where I have a network that I can find, I'll put up something on Facebook or Twitter or something like that and say, hey, I'm looking for a qualified person in this area to help a distance coaching client. Or I'm looking for somebody who can do this type of soft tissue or analyze a movement or do something in person that I can't do over the internet just due to the fact that you know it is limited I'm in kind of a retroactive modality with distance coaching because I'm not there helping them at the point in time they're usually filming sending me video and I'm giving them suggestions on how to improve the next set but that's very retroactive in the terms of what I'm doing and if somebody says you know my hip is sore what do I do I can't really do too much over the internet. I mean, one day I might be able to get like the 3D hand where, okay, well, I can manipulate the joint this way, but we're not quite at that technology no. just yet. Well, and you see it all the time. Uh, we mentioned you have your, I have 30 minutes at the airport, ask me any question, and it always comes up, hey, I have this, 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 and this, and this, what's wrong with me? And you're like, yeah. honestly, I can't tell you. Yeah, for one, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's so many variables that have to go into that and so many different assessments I'd have to go through. But the best thing you can do is like if you're asking a question like that, yeah, you're coming at it with the best intentions trying to figure out what's going on. You either need way more information or you need somebody to be there one-on-one with you. Well, and, and it's it, even with our viewers or our listeners is that when we go back to information and misinformation and, and finding the right people, I think it's hard because some people will go through 10 chiropractors or 10 physios before they actually find a solution to the problem. What's the best way to kind of streamline that process to find, I want to say, best practice people in the industry? And I know that's a hard question to answer, but... I honestly don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to the person who's in front of you as a practitioner. Just like there's going to be good trainers and bad trainers, there's going to be good physios and bad physios, good chiros, bad chiros. There's going to be the ones who are in it just to kind of funnel you through and collect the check at the end of the day. And there's going to be ones who take the time to spend and figure out what's going on. I mean, there's obviously a standard of care for each organization and each governing body, but there are some people that go well above that and some people who meet base minimum. Think about people who build a house. Minimum standards for building a house are A, B, and C, depending on which region you're in. And then there's builders who are saying, I'm not going to build a minimum. I'm going to overbuild because I know I want this house to last for generations and not give you any problems down the road. Even if we go to actionable information, I guess that's that's one of the hardest things for people. I I assume in their problems was, like I said, even with my problems, I've seen a lot of people and I, I made such a huge difference seeing you for an hour. I wish there was a better solution. I don't know. Maybe that's where technology goes. Yeah. But I mean, part of it could also be like, if you're geographically limited, like my, my wife's from a very small town in Saskatchewan. So the number of medical professionals that she would, or that her parents would have access to are very limited. So you might have to drive two hours or three hours to go find someone who can do a type of treatment on you which becomes really a big obstacle and a big hindrance for people following stuff. If you live in somewhere like New York, it's like, oh, two blocks over. Great, do that. But not everyone has that luxury. I actually think that uh, a really good way to go about what you were asking was just to really dig uh, for referrals. Just talk yeah. to a lot of people. Yeah. And and I wrote a post about this recently about just not just tagging someone in when yeah. they ask for a personal trainer, but just to really get in and talk to people and find out detailed information about 
who you want to work with. And I got a pretty good bet. You'll probably keep hearing some of the same names and you'll get a lot of good feedback and hopefully you will find someone great. Yeah. And then follow up. Well, that's a big thing too, is like if I make a referral to somebody and they meet with them, I'll contact that person and say, Hey, how was the appointment with this person? Because I want to figure out what to do differently with their training. Well, it's crazy. Even, even with you, I know we're like pumping you up to this big name, but I talk to powerlifters all the time. Oh, my shoulder hurts. I need to do this. And I'm like, go see Dean Somerset. Well, who's Dean Somerset? Like, I want to just shake them. And it's just, yeah. I refer people to you just because I know with your brain and, and your experience that you can fix a lot of these really easy problems for people. And I guess that's part of the reason why we want to have this podcast because you're known in the world, but like Edmonton, like Jesus, man. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird. I can fill a room in London, but yeah. it's hard to fill a room in Edmonton. Absolutely. Which and I think surprising. Yeah. When we talked about, even when I was asking you, hey, you need to do your blueprint, blueprint seminar in Edmonton, you're like, we tried. Yeah. And we couldn't get people there, and it just blows my mind. So, I mean, if you're listening and you have a problem, go to Dean. Like, I think the people, other Dean, not me, Dean. Yeah. I think <laughs> you can come people, to me, but go to him. He's better. I think people take for granted that you're here. I think yeah. they actually genuinely take for granted you're local and oh yeah, I don't. It's, it's like a, a band that they're you know they're buddies with who's actually a pretty big deal. Oh, you know they're here. We'll catch your show sometime. Whereas someone tours in, oh my god, that's a huge deal. So, yeah. and if you have no trouble selling out everywhere else, well, guess what? You have a, a great problem when you have a little trouble selling out here. So. That or I just pissed everyone off in Edmonton. No one likes me here. That could, <laughs> that could be it. That might be a problem I may encounter as I continue to push buttons, but I don't think that'll ever be you, so I'm not too worried about it. Uh, that being said, he is feeling, well, uh, this will be released after, but you, you filled up a seminar here at our gym, so that's good. Yeah, filled up a couple over you're, the years. You're building up a following in Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> By the time anyone's listening to this, uh, Dean will have presented with uh, Dr. Mike Isratel at L2, which is a facility that Dean Guido works at, Yep. So, and we're all going to be in attendance, so it's going to be a week from now as we're recording it, but you guys will be hearing it after the fact. We're going to be learning. Getting the learn on. Yep. All right, so uh, just a general... It's your stage. What do you want to say to everybody here? Is there anything really important that you know, you're passionate about that we haven't already covered? Um, not really. I think we've hit on a, a lot of big things. Uh, if anything, it's just keep asking questions. Yeah. Keep trying to figure out why something works. Keep trying to figure out what can I do better. There's never really just one way of doing things. So figure out what works for you. Figure out ways that you can get better at it. If something's not working, ask somebody. There's, I've never had a time where I've reached out to somebody with a specific question where they turn me away. As long as it's something that doesn't take a lot of time or demand a service from them or anything like that, ask people who know more than you about a certain topic what to do. I mean, that's just professional liability to be able to say that I can help the people who are asking me questions who are having problems. So always be willing to ask for advice. Always be willing to put yourself out there. Try new things. Don't get pigeonholed into one way of thinking. Uh, if somebody else is successful in a way that you didn't think they would be, ask questions as to why. Figure out why they're doing really well and try to do that yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's this next one? <laughs> Man. This we're script, so good at this already. It's okay. It's our first. Well, it's our second one, but we're releasing this first. Anyways, neither here nor there. What do you feel people focus on far too much about fitness and nutrition and people meaning like the people listening? You know, I think it's the same thing that we focus on a lot in life in general. It's just the negative stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've had people who, like an example, one of my clients just went to Western Canadians and she won gold, hit a PR in her squad, hit a PR in her total, and is now qualified for world championships. And she's Hannah Gray, right? Yeah. Who will appear on this podcast in the future. She's a wonderful trainer. There you go. So she texts me. I, I don't know if I'm overstepping by saying what she texts me, but she's like, yeah, I did all of these things and my Wilk score was just under 300, which is not acceptable. I got to do better. <laughs> it's like, seriously, you just hit two PRs. You won gold. You're going to national or going to worlds and you're not happy with that. Celebrate Man. it. I mean, you're like two Wilks away from hitting this arbitrary number. That I, doesn't directly mean anything about your performance. It. That's called being competitive. I mean, there's 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 two ways of going about it. I mean, you could you could go and say, oh, it was good enough. Or the people who are successful because of the competition, they just, it's a toy star, they reach for the stars. But they aim higher than they need to be, and then they end up kind of being much more successful had they not had those lofty goals. To a point, but then you also have to celebrate your successes too. Absolutely. If you're willing to sweep away a squat PR and a total PR just because of one number that wasn't quite up to snuff, that's like saying I got an entire batch of chocolate chip cookies <laughs> and this one cookie over here doesn't have enough chips in it. 
So toss out the entire batch. But that's why she had Eat you. Eat those cookies, man. That's why she had you. <laughs> it's one of those things of being a competitive person is that you keep oh, those people around you to check you. You're her check. Oh, yeah. I have those people. I always get pissed off after my competitions. Like, I should have had this. And I'm like, yeah. man, you just won. Yeah. I'm still mad. And they're like, go my wife, is, okay. my wife is the same way. Yeah. Like, she hit, she's already chopped off huge amounts of time for her races coming up compared to last year. And she's like, oh, it's not that good. I don't know if I can do it. But I'm like... Would you please celebrate the fact that you just chopped off like 5% of your time from last year to this year and that's a massive improvement? She's like, like take out the garbage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Toss <laughs> those chocolate chip cookies. Celebrate your successes. Uh, yeah. Because if you've got a weight loss goal or if you're trying to put on some lean size or whatever, I, I've seen and worked with a lot of people and know a lot of people who, especially young guys who want to be bigger, they want it all now. Yeah. And then they start hanging around with a bunch of guys at the gym who are bigger, more experienced lifters and they have this sense of urgency and all too often that either discourages them or they start making choices like young guys starting to dabble in performance enhancing drugs which that that's not a good road to go down especially you know when you're a young guy and you're trying to catch up with or seek the approval of these bigger guys celebrate especially if you just put on 10 pounds in the last three months yeah and especially if you're doing it just for i just want to be bigger like there's a lot of people where that performance enhancing substance is the difference between you know, I competed in whatever to I, I won, won and now I have sponsorships or medals or whatever. So I understand the allure to that. But to say, well, I just want to be slightly bigger in my Smedium t-shirt. You know, that, that's something where it's like, you know, pump your brakes a little bit. Like when well, we were in uh, Norway, a girl came up to myself, Dan John and Eric mm-hmm. Helms when we were just standing there. And she's like, I need to get more mass on my thighs. I need to get more mass on my thighs. This is a really big issue. This is something that's very important to me. Very tall, slender Norwegian built. So she's already ahead of the genetic game as far as a lot of people are concerned. She showed us a picture of her from two years ago, and she was what you would consider the stereotypical cross-country 5K runner. Very, very thin legs. Looking at her now, it's like, wow, you've made massive, significant progress in a very short period of time. Don't rush the gate. You know, just keep doing what you're doing because it's successful. Celebrate your successes, but understand that where you want to go is great. But look at where you've come from. You're doing so really good to get there. I love that. So if people are willing to celebrate successes, it's like, yeah, if you want to lose 50 pounds, you have to lose five pounds first. Celebrate that five pound weight loss. And then if you want to lose 50 pounds, you have to lose 20 pounds first. Don't say it's not good enough when you've already lost 20 pounds. You've lost 20 pounds. That's a massive change and a massive improvement if you're trying to do that. Well, I think if anyone's listening, they need to hear what he's saying. And it's essentially adopt a better mindset in terms of your progress and what you're doing. Yeah. And, and be realistic, obviously. Like your, your thighs aren't going to grow in two weeks. But have that reasoning within yourself. Just keep you sane. Because if you go too far down the negative wormhole, then, then you get into problems like that. Where yeah, it's like, I mean, my thighs aren't big enough. I need to do something. Well, they're big. Yeah. I mean, if you're seeing progress, if you're able to show me a picture and looking at you now, it's like, wow, you've had a massive physical change. That's amazing. You should celebrate that. I know it might not be where you want it to go, but it's considerably towards that direction. I mean, people can get sucked into that negativity wormhole really easily. I mean, look at things like politics or nutrition or whatever is going on. People go negative really quickly, but you never hear the positive stuff. So people just need to get that thought process like, you know, it's okay. Where If you're making progress, you're making progress. Hold your head up high. If you stall or plateau or something like that, reanalyze, figure out what's going on and see how you can push progress a little bit further. Well, and stress is usually cumulative. So yeah. in terms of negativity, that's a stressor that you're kind of taking on mentally and that will probably be a roadblock for you, at least at some point. Yeah, it's just going to affect your life in one yeah. way or another. There's so many people that forget that, yeah, you still have to live outside of whatever you're doing in the gym. I mean, the gym might be four or five, six hours a week. How many other hours out there do you have to actually function as a member of society? You know, be willing to be a member of society rather than saying, <laughs> I'm going to be a hermit who just squats and deadlifts. Unless that's like your life goal. I mean, if that's what makes them happy and they have friends in the gym, I get that. But yeah, you can still have friends in the gym and you can still go out for dinner on Friday nights and you can still watch a movie or a TV show. It's not the end of the world. Read a book for fun. Jeez. Ooh, there's a good segue. There's a good segue. Go, go, go. Books. Leading right into it. Yeah, we're all big book readers. Um, well, you're, 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 the, you're the biggest book reader. Well, you read a lot of comics, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I yeah, read so those are books. I read yeah, those are books. Yeah. Andrew and reads a lot. They have books. words with pictures. We talked about the value of pictures yeah. earlier. I'm a, what do you call it? I'm a visual learner. There you go. Uh, <laughs> indeed, what are you reading right now? Uh, book Sapiens, The History of Humankind. So I picked that one up in the airport before I was going to um, Norway, and it's a really cool book. 
I'm really getting into it. It talks about like just the archaeological evidence of how humans developed and expanded and what we did as far as like exterminating different species everywhere that we went. And it's kind mm -hmm. of an interesting doomsday kind of concept. But then it also talks about how we form societies, how we form laws, how we form imaginary social constructs that are literally non-existent but still guide us in what we do. Things like a corporation or a law or a god. You know, how are these things formed and why do we put so much social weight in them? Um, prior to that, I've just finished reading I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Uh, trainers need to know what they're doing with money. The best thing you can do is be debt free. So being able to understand how to manage your money, even if you make 50000 a year, if you make 500000 a year, you still have to understand how to manage it. Well, even life, not even trainers, but I would go down that Trainers are bad at managing money though. Well, and, and, the, and it's so volatile in terms of like work come yeah. yeah i mean we could have a busy month and then there's all of a sudden a cold or flu virus and half of our sessions that month are gone or if you have a cold or flu like yeah you can't yeah you can't go into work for two weeks you don't make money yeah so being able to understand what you're doing with your money and plan for the future is huge um prior to that i read the content trap which is a book on uh, how various different organizations have adapted to change over time like how newspapers or magazines are able to switch what they do to be able to tailor their audience if they're not making classified income, how are they able to generate income from other sources? So what do you do as a, a business to be able to just switch yourself up, be able to take advantage of I changes? Read that. I read that too. And that's, that really that's applicable fantastic. to us too because yeah. if you even think information changing, <laughs> the game's changing, the information's changing constantly. Yeah. That book really also gets into not necessarily being married to the idea that the quality of the content is the only thing that matters and that connections and connectivity to other things are big. Yep. Use the example of Apple a couple of times where they early in their uh, their development, they had the better product in the iMac, but it had two, three percent of the market because um, PCs were so connected to software. Later yep. on, when Steve Jobs returned to Apple, he made iTunes and iPods huge and cornered the market in that because he then turned around and created all these connections within the music industry, got the licensing to all this music, made it a very easy one-step process to download it all, and then basically took over it. Yeah, same with the apps. Yeah. 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 And then uh, additional to that was uh, research concepts and advanced or advanced exercise neurophysiology. <laughs> so I got to throw in a little bit of the nerd stuff once in a while. I got to be able to not just do personal development, but learn a little bit about stuff too. I, I want to note, he hasn't read Game of Thrones. I haven't read it because it's not yeah. called Game of Thrones. It's called A Song of Fire and Ice. Have you read that? <laughs> exactly. Two and a half books into it, but uh, yeah. watching the show, it's those are long books. Man, there yeah. it's fifteen hundred pages. And George R. R. Martin is a perverted Plus, writer. Like, at this point, if you were to read it, it's not going to help your business. Well, could you pull actually, any? Could, okay, okay. Actually, I want to hear it. I'll hear it. John Romanello goes into great detail about this, and particularly he talks about Harry Potter. And if you guys don't know who John Romanello is, he's a fantastic uh, fitness professional and writer. And uh, Dean, I know he's a friend of yours. I got yep. to meet him in Kansas City. Uh, just like Jordan Syatt you mentioned earlier, guys, these are great resources to follow. If you hear us talking about fitness professionals, you know, punch them into the Facebook the and Google. click follow. They're, they're great. Tell but me Robin about Harry Potter. Yeah. Tell talks about how if you're missing out on what's pop important and popular in pop culture as a trainer or as, as anyone, and then you're going into the office or going to talk to your clients on a Monday morning, and they're not, they want to talk about it. They watch it. And you are not plugged into pop culture. You're missing a massive opportunity oh, yeah. to have a relationship with these people and conversation that goes outside of counting sets and reps mm -hmm. that might build both a greater relationship and a greater experience for that client that keeps them coming back, working towards their goals. And you have a client that's paying you. Oh, so man. don't miss those yeah. opportunities. The first question I ask people, like, did you watch Game of Thrones and who's the Night King? Like, and it works. Yeah. They're like, they go up, they're like, man, I did see it. And then they go try to tell me who the Night King is. And I, I asked Dean that too. Yeah. You made a connection. agree with my theory. I, I, I actually, I, I did agree with your theory. Yeah. That's, that's pretty smart for someone who hasn't read the book. No, but I, I've seen a lot of the fan th fiction. But okay. uh, another resource to look up is Nerd Fitness. I don't know if you guys Ooh. have heard that before no. or not. But uh, it's a guy who, he is a self-admitted comic book nerd, superhero nerd, that kind of stuff. I, I can't remember his name, but his backstory is like, he never liked working out, but he liked comic books. He liked doing all that kind of stuff. So he took the route of, there's probably a lot of other people out there like me who don't like working out, but like having that concept and that connection. And then there's also places like Fitocracy who have developed a gaming feature 
towards working out. It's like you work out, you get points, you level up, you get different superpowers, you connect with people. So then you look at things like Pokemon Go. You walk around a neighborhood and find different Pokemon, and then you capture them, and there's a societal effect to that. Well, it's it nothing. comes down to it comes down to that box. Like if you can, like people have figured out ways to obviously make money and grow their business, but they've been able <laughs> to reach people through fitness in a much different way, which yeah. makes the whole product better. Yeah, I was really opinion. pissed off when people are like really belittling and making fun of people oh, yeah. getting up and playing Pokemon Go. I mean, it was pretty nothing. Fun in our generation has ever mobilized more people off the couch ever to get out moving around and walking around a lot. I would bet that if you actually could somehow tabulate all of the pounds lost from all these people who got up and started moving in Pokemon Go, you'd yeah. be astonished at the actual magnitude that this simple little game, uh, what it did for people's well-being. Yeah. And you're there being an asshole and making fun of it and belittling it. Like, <laughs> fuck you. It's, like, it's, it's funny because like, the people who are probably making fun of it were, were definitely playing it. Like everyone tried it. Yeah, if I you tried. Didn't, it. If you didn't, you're lying. Too bad. Too bad. <laughs> the end product wasn't like it wasn't like even, so it didn't work out because the product was broken. But it's still going. Yeah, and I think that if they had uh, scaled it a little bit more effectively yeah. initially and given people a, a reason to keep playing it, yeah. Like Look, once you capture X number of Pokemon, it's like, well, what do you do then? Well, and the people, the kids, the kids who who didn't have jobs just leveled up way too high, and then it, you just couldn't. That's totally nerdy. But there people with time that could invest in it were better. Which again, if the if the whole goal was fitness, they should have just distributed the experience a little bit better. But World of Warcraft, or the same thing. It, it's just like time in equals I'm better because of this. And actually, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, they've changed <laughs> models to do free to play because. And everyone can get involved, and then they do a pay-as-you-go model. And they make way more money. Well, they've probably. actually done. Uh, there, I saw when it first came out that there was some enterprising people who were doing pokey runs. Yeah. So it's like, well, I'm going to go on a 5k run anyway. Give me your phone, and I'll run for five or 10k, hatch your eggs, and then give you your phone back at the end, and you've got all these miles. So there was enterprising people who were making money off of Pokemon Go by just doing what they were going to do anyway. And there was people being lazy because people are lazy to begin with, and saying, "Well, I'll pay you five bucks to hatch my egg." Oh, man, that's great. That's embarrassing, I but I guess that's people, right? Yeah. I love it. I mean, cheat codes exist for a reason, right? Yeah. That's the real-life cheat code. You just pay somebody else to run for you rather than uh, <laughs> up, down, or up, up, down, down, or whatever. Contra, 100 yeah. lives. Yep, yep up, up, down, oh, down. Oh, you ABB, know a few ABB, things. ABB. Hey, remember, I'm older than you guys. <laughs> oh, so yeah. I'm, I'm the elder statesman of the three of us here. Oh, yeah. geez. Well, we better uh, start to wind this down. I got just a couple more questions. Sure. Uh, so you're extremely well-traveled. You've toured the world and done a lot of fitness stuff. Uh, do you have any cool stories about anyone famous who's sort of in or connected to fitness? Uh, people like Stallone or, God forbid, Jillian Michaels. <laughs> he, he did put Arnold in the script. Yeah. Or Arnold. Have you met Arnold? I haven't met Arnold yet, but I've written for his site. But I did miss Arnold by about 15 minutes when I went to Gold's Gym in Venice Beach one time. And I was wearing a get to the choppa shirt, which would have been just fantastic if I would have worn that and met Arnold. And got a picture. And got a picture or got like a video of him saying he got to the choppa or something like that. It's not like I had it planned out or anything like that, right? No. Um, One time when I was in New Jersey, I was at uh, Joe DeFranco's gym. Uh, They were doing a CPPS cert, him and uh, Smitty, uh, James Smith. And Triple H came in for a workout just before WrestleMania when he was fighting against Brock Lesnar. So I was like, I'm staying for this. I'll pay for a taxi. I will just creep on the wall so i got to watch triple h do his workout <laughs> with joe as his uh film crew was there filming everything so i was off in the back trying to stay off camera as much as possible and there was a point where when that was all done he's just kind of standing around got a picture with him got a chance to chat one-on-one with him about his workout routine what he was challenged with what he was trying to struggle with the guy sleeps four hours a day maybe but he still works out 14 hours a week and runs a billion dollar company as like the main point guy for all the talent relations, all the marketing, all the communication. And he runs their offshoot wing of their development. So the guy's finding a way to get it done in any situation in the world while still barely sleeping. And he has a bit of a movie career as well. He actually wasn't that bad in Blade Trinity. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think he stepped back from a lot of the movie stuff. I think he's just doing the the billion dollar company right well, now. Well, that's the one thing I didn't... <laughs> I didn't even notice. Like I, remember, I was going through like old videos of him and like DX. And anyways, long story short, I figured out that yeah, the dude's like he's like a multi-millionaire and has. Well, he might even be. No, he's not a billionaire. I don't think he, he just personally runs, is. He just runs the company right but now. He's like but he's like a legit oh, yeah, he's, corporate businessman. Yeah, and he's huge. Yeah, and he's actually married to to Steph. Yeah, and that that started off as just a storyline that became real. 
And uh, yeah, just talking with him about that, it's like, mm, shit happens. <laughs> it's funny because we didn't even touch on your wrestling um, fanboy antics. Oh, yeah. But are you a bigger wrestling fan than you are nerdy stuff fan? Well, I'd say wrestling's still pretty nerdy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not, I guess now. Like back in the day, like that was how you consumed, at least in our age group, was that was that wasn't nerdy. That's what every junior high and high school boy was. See, when you start getting nerdy is when you start looking at the indie wrestling and you start comparing things like New Japan Pro Wrestling to Ring of Honor to uh, PWG. Oh yeah, Yeah. I go all the way down that road. When you start seeing guys who are appearing on the main roster and it's like I've watched that guy for the last five years. This guy's (laughs) going to be awesome, and you can see what they do to the character arc over time it's like okay yeah that's good or bad but that's when you start getting nerdy about wrestling you applied your nerdiest okay. yeah 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 okay that's good <laughs> the big thing that people need to realize is that nerds are just way more passionate about something than you are yeah I, th- I think that's the main thing is that they're just passionate about yeah. it and then you can just be a nerd about a car yeah. you can be a nerd about guns you can be a nerd about whatever you want but fitness. the nerds yeah sure. I mean, yeah. Nerds, why not Alfred but, this oh, but yeah if, if you're nerdy about something it means you just care a lot about it that's it. Yeah. So if somebody's like, oh, you're a nerd, it's like, thank you. You recognize my passion. Cool. Man, you're wise beyond your years. Yeah. I like the way you look at Why things. do you think Big Bang Theory became so popular? Because yeah. they showed a whole bunch of adults being really passionate about stuff like comic books and TV shows. And everyone's like, wow, cosplay looks really fun. I want to do that. And now you have a whole subculture of nerds who are able to take over the world in one way or another. Well, why do you think that uh, Marvel uh, superhero movies, the DC ones, need to step up their game. The Marvel ones are pretty much the, <clears throat> the biggest things right now in Hollywood. Yeah. And this is comic books when you Nerds. think about it. Yeah. When it's, it. I remember like when it was, when nerdy was a bad thing, I used to walk to the comic book store with my allowance and get like a dollar worth of candies and a $5 comic. And that wasn't cool. And then now it's cool to just like Marvel to have a limited edition comic, yeah. you're like, whoa! I had the world a has massive, changed. Massive collection of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons books when I was a kid. Yeah. I know, and you didn't even play it; you just had them. Yeah, actually, my dad took them away for a while because <laughs> he thought that they were really bad, and virtually I just sort of snuck them back. I had to no exercise the demons yeah. out of my redheaded child. <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading there? Andrew gives you a Flex magazine, yeah, and then you grew. Demonic and- Puts oh, a modern hunter's gun book in your hands. And... <laughs> yeah. uh, so we've uh, we've run over an hour here. We're probably going to split this one into two. Is yeah. our plan? Well, you guys will know by the time we're airing this. Uh, we'll figure it out. The common question is: is where can our listeners find more about your work? But I want to say this like even more sternly. People, you guys really do need to follow Dean. Dean really does put out incredible information. There's a lot of stuff that really can help you. And it's not all just injuries and dysfunctions, but that stuff's really valuable. But just general fitness, like really just log on to Facebook, log on to the stuff that he's going to list right now and follow him because your life's going to be better as a result of it. So where can they find you? <laughs> well, and if you're local, again, we're going to pump you up. But if you're local and you don't know who he is, like go search him. And if you have a problem, go ask him and right. give him money to fix you. There you go. I appreciate the kind words, guys. <laughs> um, my main hub is my website, deansummerset.com. On Twitter, just search Dean Somerset. Same thing with Facebook, Instagram. My Instagram is, I think, dsomerset1 because I initially had an Instagram account and then I just didn't use it for like a year and a half and I forgot what my password was so I couldn't log in to change it. So I was like, well, I might as well just open a new Instagram account. I've heard you tell so that story before. That's why it's dsomerset1 instead of my actual name because I can't remember my well, password. And sometimes I go to look at it and I'm like, someone just hacked your account but then it's actually your account. Yeah, and I just don't know how to access it. Man. So I, I live on the internet, but I have no idea how technology works. Apparently, you know, you can just hit, like remind me of my password and it sends it to your email. So it sounds like way too much work. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for uh, guesting with us today. We really appreciate it. We do hope, as we talked about, that you'll be kind of a an anchor cornerstone guest for significant episodes in the future. So True. if you want to book uh, number fifty in advance, it is yours. <laughs> fifty. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're being ambitious we're, here. There you go. We're, remember, we're aiming for the stars. Yeah. Kevin Larrabee at the Fitcast has Dan John and Alan Cosgrove and uh, Tony Genocor and Lou Schuler and yeah. John Berardi is his big guys. And, and basically, we really hope that you'll uh, return for more of ours as we uh, Absolutely. continue to do this. If only because it's not that far away. Yeah. Like yeah. it's ten minutes. 11. Close. Yeah. With two lights. Yeah. Depends on if I'm speeding or not. Don't speed. Don't speed. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, we'll hopefully have another podcast for you very, very soon. 
and uh, hopefully the next guest, well, we've already recorded Alfred Jong, who you guys will really enjoy. Uh, Jordan Jeske's coming up in the near future as well, and we have plenty more great people, so Mountain stay Mike. tuned. Mountain Mike, Michael Dietrich is yeah. uh, in the works, and uh, the guys from Free Fitness as well, which are really cool local uh, brand and outfit of trainers. Cool. All right, see you guys.